I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. These are the last lines of the famous poem Invictus by William Ernest Tenley. After doing some research, I actually found out that this guy was an atheist. And knowing that certainly changes the way that I perceive the tone of the poem, but nonetheless, I agree with the message to a certain extent. What I think he's trying to convey is that you have control in determining your results in life despite the circumstances. Nelson Mandela recited this poem to himself during the near three decades that he sat in prison for his efforts against apartheid. He wanted to confront adversity and prevail while creating positive change. I think it's good for us to acknowledge that we all have free will and can impose our own influence on the situations we face in life, even if that influence is small in some cases. Some may not agree with this. Uh, You can't ever fully control the activity of people around you or the unpredictable blessings and misfortunes that may come your way. I 100% agree with that. But I'd like to pose a question. Can't we at least influence the end result? Think of it like a card game. We may not always be dealt the best hand, but we at least have the autonomy to play our hand in whatever way we choose. Some hands may be worse than others, yet we are still afforded the opportunity to take part in the game and make our own decisions. Understanding this and making efforts to do your best in your current situation is a major factor in whether or not you will build your ideal life. In order to control your results in life, you must take accountability. Personal accountability is a prerequisite for happiness because it gives you direct control over your happiness. While we may not be responsible for everything that goes on in our life, we are still accountable for how we respond to it. And so let's dive into that. I use the words responsibility and accountability. To help everyone truly grasp the message behind this episode, I'll explain the difference. Responsibility is taking ownership over activities and events. A person who complete completes a task or action is responsible for that particular action. Our own actions are not the sole factors that can have an effect on our life. And so with that being said, we are not necessarily held responsible for all things that transpire in our lives. However, accountability is taking ownership of the results. A person who understands their current situation and does what it takes to get to the right end result is holding themselves accountable for the outcome. In any situation we are in, we can look at the challenge or opportunity at hand and decide how we will deal with it. The tough part is doing this the right way. Plenty of people take the stance of not concerning themselves with their potential influence on a situation whenever it was not created by their own doing. And so when responsibility is not theirs, they throw their accountability to the wayside. It's easier to say, it's not my fault, than it is to ask, what can I do to make things better? As a result, They are struck with ill feelings that come from being a victim, and this makes it extremely hard for them to ever be happy or content in life. And so this mindset doesn't just affect a few people. Plenty of people take this stance in their lives in some sort of way, whether it's their success, finances, health, etc. I'm sure that to an extent, a number of them are right. It may not be their fault that things aren't going well, but when you have the ability to change the direction of the ship, Shouldn't a certain level of accountability be taken? I'm a big sports fan, so one of my favorite stories is that of Inky Johnson, a former college football player. This man had every excuse in the book to not make something of himself. He grew up in a neighborhood called Kirkwood, which is one of the most dangerous areas in Atlanta. He lived in a two-bedroom home with 13 other people, sharing a bed with multiple siblings and cousins. He also went on to go to one of the most 
I guess, the one of the lowest performing schools in the entire state of Georgia. And he was undersized, which definitely made him not one of the top recruits in the state. Despite all these disadvantages, he earned a college football scholarship and finished his career projected as a first round draft pick. And that was until his last collegiate game anyway. Inky went to make a tackle and he busted an artery in his chest on impact. The doctor had to take another artery out of his leg and put it in his chest to save his life. And at the end of it all, Inky was paralyzed on the right side of his body and his NFL dreams were over. He wasn't responsible for any of the misfortune that he had to go through. It wasn't his decision to grow up in the most gang-infested zone in Atlanta, sleeping in a bed with half a dozen other people. It also wasn't his fault that he wasn't prototypical size for his position. And he sure as hell didn't make the decision to almost die on the field and have his NFL dreams ruined because of that one play. But let me tell you the decisions that he did make. He held himself accountable for his own success. Not only just to get out of Kirkwood and earn a full athletic scholarship to University of Tennessee, but to also not let the tremendous misfortune of losing the function of his arm uh, stop him from making something of his situation. Football was done. Uh, that could be changed. But instead of going back home and giving up, Inky decided to use some of his other abilities and opportunities that he had at his disposal, his voice, and his story. Today, he is a highly successful motivational speaker that has inspired hundreds of thousands of people, if not more. Anyone that is in a poor situation has the right to be discontent, without a doubt. But they also have the right to do something to change it. Every situation is unique and some are much more difficult than others. But stories like this are proof that almost no one is doomed to stay in their current spot for the rest of their life. There is always something we can do to make our situation better, despite whether or not we are at fault for our misfortune. It comes down to having the awareness that there is a possibility for change and from there taking the opportunity to make that change. And I'll repeat that again. It comes down to having the awareness that there is a possibility for change and from there taking the opportunity to make that change. One thing that needs to be considered when taking accountability in your life is the fact that it forces you to take ownership of both the good and the bad results that come with it. This is a sticky spot that I've had a few discussions about. A number of Christians that I've talked to uh, take the stance that most of the good fortune, if not all of it, positive results or even good decisions that they make are the work or influence of God. I believe that this stance could be valid when it comes to things that are you know out of our control or left to chance, per se. But what about the instances where we had direct input? Absolving yourself of the credit for achieving or making the right decision undermines Christian ideology, in my opinion. And here's why. If people believe that God is the main factor every single time for whatever good happens in their life, that takes all accountability off of them and essentially absolves them of their free will, which is you know inherent in the Bible due to the fact that it promotes uh, commandments as well as lessons that we're supposed to follow. I noticed that this way of thinking allows people to justify not doing better for themselves because they're waiting for God to provide a better situation for them without them having to put in any work. And with that being said, uh, we would also have to be absolved of blame when things turn for the worst or when we're destructive, leaving the blame to be placed on Satan and not our own conscious decisions. And how can we be judged by God after death for results and decisions we are not responsible for? At that point, why would we even need a Bible? What would be the point in even going to church? 
To be clear for the future, improvement isn't a religion podcast. I'm definitely not a scholar when it comes to the Bible, or at least not yet. And my intent in bringing this up isn't necessarily to point out whether anyone is right or wrong in their beliefs. I'm just sharing my observations with the intent of provoking thought. And I'm sure that people that reach out to me with feedback will share their takes on this. I think it's necessary to look at things from different angles and points of view to get a strong understanding of what exactly we believe in and what we believe in it. Uh, You definitely should make sure that any ideology uh, that you follow makes sense to you from different angles and that you do your due diligence to fully understand it if you're going to subscribe to it. I'm in the process of doing that myself with Christianity, among other things. But I digress. Be based on what you can do for each other externally. Neither side will be invested in the best interests of the other unless it has some way of benefiting them. For a lot of people who struggle with emotional unavailability, uh, they usually come to a point in time where things come full circle. Some sort of tough experience or tragedy happens in their life. And outside of their mom, they don't really have anyone to go to that they trust to help them through it. Or they might not even have anyone that will even listen to them and try and understand in the first place. For some, it is a sobering experience that pushes them to change their relationships for the better. And for others, they find negative ways to cope instead and continue the cycle of hiding from what's plaguing them. And so when it comes to the other symptom I mentioned earlier about letting things affect their health, a lot of men will deny the need for medical attention, therapy, or even taking care of themselves out of fear that it will threaten their masculinity. I can personally name plenty of guys, young and old, that I met throughout my life, and some I still know now, that have had unfortunate experiences in their life that still affect their psyche to this day. But instead of healing, they'd rather drink their problems away, act like their issues don't exist, or develop cynical outlooks on life that promote antisocial behaviors and tendencies. And this is all to cater to expectations of masculinity that are BS in the first place. One of the most ridiculous examples that I've seen firsthand of someone feeling threatened by being perceived as feminine was in high school after a first period track and field practice. We were in the shower and one of the guys made a slick comment about how I use face wash for acne. The manly alternative he recommended was just to use a bar of soap. I remember thinking to myself, man, no wonder the skin on this guy's face looks like that. But healthy skin was such a threat to his masculinity that this guy resulted in using a bar of Irish Spring soap on his face to protect his ego. To get back to the more serious topic, though, uh, this should sound obvious, but men are human. There's nothing weak about experiencing pain or emotions. What's weak is not having the courage to face your stressors and resolve the underlying issues. It's weak to pretend to be something you aren't because you want to protect your ego. Don't let your ego or BS ideology stop you from taking care of your needs or from being dynamic enough to handle the needs of the people you care about. Now, now that all these common cultural issues have been addressed, I think it's important to explain why we should be aware of these things. Every day, our actions influence the people around us, and these sorts of ideas are not what we want to shape those actions. We can't let our identity and desire for self-worth be built on a flawed foundation. As changes in society cause the lines to blur more and more over time, it's becoming tougher for men to define who and what they are supposed to be. For the sake of the people around us and future generations, this is something that we must figure out. So the question some of you might have in your head right now is, what exactly makes a man a man? Unfortunately, I don't have an exact answer. Obviously, it varies among different cultures. 
One thing I noticed is that if you take a close look, you can see that most cultures tend to share a lot of the same fundamental roots when it comes to masculinity. And so I'll make sure to share my observations and opinions about this on another episode. In the meantime, make sure to guard yourself from destructive ideas and expectations like I mentioned earlier. If you liked the episode, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to support my mission of helping young men develop their character, identity, and mindset, to activate their potential and achieve their goals in life, please click on the donation link in the description. Thanks for listening, guys.